For many of you who have followed the TR Talk Show podcast since 2013 or have seen my tweets on Twitter, you may know that there's a particular animated Disney film that I love to talk about and love to learn more about. So with the 20th anniversary of Atlantis, The Lost Empire, right around the corner, I really wanted to hear from the crew, the people who were responsible for the animated film that we all grew to love. And so many of my friends, you know, with us in our 20s and 30s, we look back on this film and it's something that we remember so so vividly and to speak to some of the actual creative talent behind this film is just remarkable so i'm actually going to let them introduce themselves to you hi this is chris jenkins and uh i was the artistic coordinator on atlantis and uh i'm ed gertner i was layout supervisor on atlantis and i'm kieran Josi. i was the computer graphics imagery supervisor also known as CZI. And oh my goodness, this must have been a very hard film to put together because the technicalities of it, just even watching it again, as I did the other night, um, and, and just observing the artistic meaning behind it and how much work was put into this, it seems it must have taken forever. I don't know if it did, but <laughs> do you guys remember that first meeting about learning like, that you're working on this project? What was that like? Well, I mean, I think for all of us, we were on super, super early, earlier than on any other movie we'd worked on. So um, it was kind of wonderful. We uh, we grew with the movie um, and the vision you know, of it. And uh, we were participating in visual development all the while in early production, early pre-production. And it was a, a, a splendid, wonderful opportunity, probably the best time on the movie because it wasn't, you know, we weren't slammed with deadlines. We just had to be creative. It was wonderful. And I, you know, I, you know, hats off to uh, Don Hahn and Gary and Kirk for allowing us to participate in that because it really was a blast. And it gave me a taste for future things, uh, the things that I'm doing now. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting thing because we all got together and we were. It was one of the first movies that I felt like everybody was on the same plane, and what had happened was Chris and I, I know, uh, and and Kieran had worked. Uh, I we were talking about doing it in widescreen because that's where everything was going, and it it uh, we had talked to, to management about it, and they were like, "Oh God, we've got to buy new screens and new monitors and new this and that." And, and uh, I was like, what? What are you talking about? You know, the 16 inches is 16 inches wide. And so Chris and I put together a, a little show and tell to show management that it could be done that way for a number of reasons. It was um, uh, we wouldn't have to cut so much. So the animators had a chance to really actually animate the breaths and the, the anticipations Um and uh, it was also a chance for us to to do more of a cinematic approach to one of the movies. Yeah, and I think, uh, Tara, the, the fact that all of us had worked together, uh, we had worked yep. on Huntsback, really helped us because we had really worked on that uh, Huntsback of Notre Dame collectively. And so our chemistry was really great. We knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. And it was just amazing that, uh, you know, the, the filmmakers really got us involved right from the beginning. And personally, I, you know, I think most of us, we were all excited because we were trying to do something so different, you know, an action movie and, 
you know, we get we got to watch a lot of movies, uh, action movies, you know, and so a lot of research trips. Uh, you know, I, I still remember the, uh, <laughs> the time that we went to Carlsbad Cave and you know, and crawled underneath those uh, uh, dark spaces, yeah. you know, and and just bring a lot of that information to the movie. And um, even though we were like uh, heads of departments, uh, uh, we were allowed uh, to participate in storytelling. Uh, as uh, Tav and all were developing the scripts and all, you know, we would be involved in terms of like being able to listen to the pitch, contribute ideas, and and just uh, just really a really good great experience. And I think, like Chris said, like it really helped to uh, to make films from scratch. Like for, for for example, for what I'm doing, you know, developing our own projects and all, it was a really great uh, uh, lesson for us. And, and and also like um, you know, the challenges, like the technical challenges were amazing too, because they really want to push their envelope. They wanted to do create a lot of CGI elements into it and, and to be able to do it in such a way that it still looks 2D and hand-drawn and integrate all those aspects. So it was a lot of fun. I'm actually remembering that trip now to the caves. <laughs> and uh, I think we only lost three crew members, right? If I'm correct, I think it was... Uh... Some something around there. I can't remember their names. They weren't important anyway. <laughs> yeah, they weren't important, you know. I yeah. think we took them because we wanted to get rid of them, actually. Yeah, it looked like you hit a lot of spiders. There's this documentary that I saw online. I shared it with you guys, but I will also post it in the show notes for our listeners to take a look at because it's, it's two hours long about it all of the hard work that was put into this film and it looks like you kind of ran into some spiders and oh god i was like no we were taken out into the desert we were all a bit concerned about that just to begin with you know what's going to happen here do they want a new crew no uh we were taken out into the desert and there uh there was a small um uh, manhole cover uh right in the sort of a dip in the desert in the new mexico desert and um, the the guy took the lid off and we all went in one after the other. And then he said, now, if any of you don't look spiders, don't look up. Of course, everybody looks up immediately. And the, it, it was like a scene from an Indiana Jones movie. It was completely plastered with the most long-legged, ugly beast <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And... Uh, and that only began the journey because the guy had gone down into this um, into this sort of small room before the caves really began to check if there were any snakes. It was, it was if you had any phobia whatsoever, it was going to that day, particularly when we got locked in a, a narrow channel so tight that and I'm a little guy and Ed is not a little guy and Gary <laughs> and Don are not little guys. But I could not inhale a breath because the walls of the, the, the cave were so tight around my ribs. So, uh, yeah, it was a bonding experience. Yeah, yeah. talking about bonding, you know, we, we really got to travel a lot. Uh, you know, we went to uh, Smithsonian Institute, like we went to, you know, Queen Mary, just, just understanding things about the museums, you know, things about submarines and ships and all those things. So. Uh, just, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of educational uh, research, uh, which yeah, really helped us in the film. Grounds, right? Aberdeen Proving Grounds, I think, is where yeah. we went in, yeah, in yeah. Maryland. And the guy that took us around, the guy, the army guy, he was 
pretty high up there in the army. And um, the thing was, he was actually built like a piece of ordnance. He had a bald head that came to a point and a round body that reminded me of the atomic bomb in uh, in Dr. Strangelove. It was, it was brilliant, though, to be able to actually get inside some of those old machines and understand even to like how the rivets actually connected steel plates and so on. It was all informative to actually make a much better movie. And, uh, and I'll, I'll just, just a lot of fun. It was. You know, we by that point, we'd all been working with uh, Disney for quite a long time. Um, and, uh, and, and it's good to be able to stretch yourself to actually think of, well, how can we achieve this? The other part of this, however, was that there was a certain nervousness um, that we perceived with, you know, the, the, the organization as it stood then, because we were making a big movie and it was a very different movie. So, that, you know, once when you're doing anything original, that you've got nothing to stand on in a sense. You've got to you've got to reassure people and you've got to provide all sorts of charts and graphs and and meet with people to say it's going to be OK. But my probably the biggest memory for me working on this movie was uh, was something something like being being in a western bar fight because the studio wanted to the studio really wanted to account for everything and that was my job to do that um and but my job was really as an artist to provide the best possible movie for the directors so i was slap bang in the middle trying to um make everybody feel okay but try as hard as I can to get the, the director's vision up on that screen. I think it was like that for all of us, really, though. I mean, it was my direct job to do the forms and everything, but we all, you know, Ed and Karen and I were doing that all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know, the I, I mean, I, I still remember, like, when uh, we were talking about what movie we were making, and before it landed, you know, the Don and Kirk, they were talking about trying to do something like uh, John's, uh, John Carter of Mars, you know, like the yeah. stuff. And uh, for some reason, uh, I think it's because we didn't have the rights to do that. So then they said the next best thing is to make our own action adventure. And, and then when they pitched the idea of doing um, Atlantis, you know, I was just blown away. I just thought like, wow, this would be really cool. And obviously we were all thinking like, you know, this, this movie is going to have a lot of challenges. It's an unknown territory, uh, not only from um, technically like the sea scope thing, and also like just in terms of like, we just knew there was just going to be, uh, because it's an action movie, there'll be a lots of, you know, vehicles, creatures, and all those things. And how do we, like, really make uh, a compelling story uh, that can, you know, that you can integrate all these things and be able to engage the audience? I think that was, like, the biggest challenge. And so, and, and Kirk and Gary, you know, their vision was so big. Uh, we would, like, the Brain Trust would normally, like, meet before we even you know, sit down with them and we would do our homework and we would plan in terms of like pitching a, a different, you know, trying to execute their vision with uh, creative solutions, technical solutions and saying like giving them options. Like, you know, you can still communicate this story, but if we do it in this fashion, you know, it might be a little bit much more doable. And so uh, we spent a lot of time in that. I think the Brain Trust did a lot of work in terms of like, you know, being able to execute their vision. There was a lot of artwork that we all did um, that yeah. hasn't been seen. Uh, there was a ton of artwork uh, that was cut out, and then we put some of it back in, but 
the experimentation of what the show would look like and what Atlantis would be was exciting to all of us. And um, I think we accomplished it, but it would have been nice to see a little bit more of Atlantis. But the, the artwork is still floating around somewhere. It's probably in the ARL. Yeah, and, and, you know, the other thing I still remember is, like, uh, we brought in some really amazing visual development artists. And I know, like, Richard, uh, Ricardo, you know, people that worked on Star Matt Wars and all this, like, from, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, not the traditional animated visual development artists only, but we brought in from uh, people who were, like, had done a lot of experience in live action visual development people. And then, so we were actually not only doing designs, but we were building, like, sculptures and maquettes. I know we had this big, huge submarine that was built as a reference so that, you know, and it just, uh, I think it, it's a movie that was not just done as, uh, as you know, art, but also done in terms of, like, experience. You know, being able to f to hold the objects and, you know, see how the subparts would look like physically and all those things. I think that was a great experience. You really had an amazing crew behind this entire film and everybody seemed so excited and, and really ready to jump in and, and create something that was definitely unique and never had been seen before. So let's talk about your individual roles because I don't think a lot of people know the breakdown of what each of you do. So why don't you start, Chris, and tell us a little bit about what your role is and, and how you kind of go ahead and, and work it. <laughs> well, so the, the artistic coordinator position uh, came about, I think I'm right in saying on um, Rescuers Down Under and from there through Beauty and the Beast and all the rest of the movies, it became an essential job when it's really what it was as um, and, and I, like a lot of artistic coordinators, I came out of um, being an effects supervisor and it was um, a sort of a, a junction point in a sense that all of the artwork, um, including all of the digital stuff, was uh, fed into um, into a place where you had to sort of um, manipulate a jigsaw puzzle to make everything make sense. And that was that was sort of where I was at. There was a lot more people behind the scenes actually with their hands on the the physical pieces, but I had to make sense of it and and then feed it into the back end departments where um, all the different processes hopefully came together in the most streamlined way. Um, it was, and as you say, you know, with, with uh, Atlantis being so different, the challenges were much, much greater. Not only were we doing a, a CinemaScope movie, which um, wasn't as hard as it initially seemed it was going to be, uh, but it was an extra factor. There were so many wonderful CG elements that Kiram was creating that had to work with uh, traditional 2D animation. And... Um, it's not as simple as it sounds. I mean, you'd think, okay, well, you just put them together and on it goes. But no, there, there's a, you have to make the CG elements look a little bit more 2D to begin with. And Kieran can definitely speak more to that than I can. Um, but the, the way in which um, um, a, a, an animated character looks part of the same world, which in, in CG, it's so perfect and beautiful, right? So this was a big, big aim with Atlantis. They, we had done bits and pieces of CG all the way back, but this was this was a broad vision of 
It's an action adventure movie. Let's let's really throw a lot of this technology onto the screen and make it work. So it's really, uh, as I say, the, the best analogy is like a jigsaw puzzle. You've got to bring all those pieces together and hope that when you get to the last piece, it, it fits. And if it doesn't, the other part of my job was to have a big sledgehammer and bang it until it fitted. <laughs> so, uh, um, but again, I wasn't on my own. I mean, Kieran and, uh, and Ed and I, and Marlon and I particularly, we all worked together very much as a team to make that happen. It was just, uh, I had to be certain that it was going on before it went into the back end of the, uh, the production. It was also, uh, to Chris's uh, <laughs> greatness, I'll, I'll say that, um, that it was a picture that had multiple characters that were on screen all the time. And usually there was always like one or two characters, but we had, uh, and I mean characters, uh, characters also involved uh, machinery that CG was doing. So the, you had probably five or six characters on the screen at all times, and uh, that's really tough to get through the system. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, as Chris and Ed was saying, you know, my job was uh, I had a team of uh, CG artists, uh, which consists of both the uh, artists, animators, as well as technical, uh, you know, directors. So our job was to really integrate uh, anything that we produce in computer graphics into various departments and. So the challenges for us was like how to make it like it's hand-drawn, whether it's uh, effects vehicle elements or whether it's a character or it's a background. You know, like, so like if you're doing creating a three-dimensional camera moves, uh, then, you know, how do you make that so that when it's rendered, it looks like more like a painterly, you know, artwork. Uh, same as there were very, uh, very tough shots that we all worked together, which was like, you know, there were shots like where you have a submarine and then initially when you're close up on the submarine, you'd see Milo hand-drawn. And as the camera pulls out and, you know, the submarine goes down, you know, we had to then switch it into uh, a CZ Milo or CZ character because it was just impossible to draw that tiny little character there. But then we still have all these people on the submarine deck moving out. So those are things that we had to really, uh, you know, plan it well and then execute it. Such that for the audience, they, you know, from a story point of view, you know, they can't tell which ones are done traditionally versus which ones are done CG. Uh, and 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 like Chris and Ed were saying, like one of the one of our biggest challenges was anything that we built in the computers. You know, how do we make it look like it's actually hand-drawn? So we would then, you know, we had to create these uh, tools, software to like make it like you know what we call hidden lines, which is like trying to create ink lines. And if you notice, like when, when uh, in traditional uh, uh, hand drawings, the lines can vary in terms of width, and then you know you can actually also have different colors depending on the styles of the, the characters. So we need to be able to solve that so that the lines are like makes makes it look like it's hand drawn, even though they're actually generated by the computer. Uh, so so those are like some of the amazing challenges that we had to. But then obviously it was a lot of fun. Uh, I still remember like. Uh, I still remember, like, the, there was a point where, like, we were coming to the end of the film, and, you know, uh, the, the prologue was something that, you know, the directors wanted to do something differently. And so Chris, you know, came to us and said, like, you know, this is going to be an action scene, you know, where, and but we want to do it very stylized, you know, what kind of different than the, the film, but a completely different style, illustrative look. And so uh, we um, 
Chris brought in another artist, uh, Rob, who's uh, you know who we we all knew was a great artist, but initially like the directors were like, well, we don't know if he'll be the right person, and so uh, I have to give Chris a, uh, a kudos because behind the scene, you know, he had Rob started working on some like designs and stuff like that, and then put together package and then took it to the director and say, this is what the film can look like, your prologue can look like. And and then that's when the director's vision, you know, they all, Kirk and Gary looked at and said, yeah, this would be something really cool. And once they said, that'll be something cool, now we got to go and figure like, how do we do this, you know? Uh, <laughs> because we, we have to build all those things in the computer and then, you know, have that motion. And, but the look was very different. And, but I, you know, now, like even when I watched the movie, uh, for me, one of the best things is the prologue. Like when I look at it, it's like a uh, very different style, you know. I think we were all so passionate that uh, to, to get this done. And we knew Gary and Kirk so well. And we didn't, we want them to have the best possible movie, obviously. Yeah. And as did we. But it, it was it was that passion that led us to like, let's go looking for techniques. Let's make this happen. Let's do this. And that actually opens up another part of how difficult Atlantis was, because um, as I indicated before, at that time, I think it was probably because some of the pre movies prior to Atlantis hadn't done as well as the studio had hoped. So there was more of a sense of um, accounting for everything that, that, that was over us all the time. So we were trying to be free and create and make wonderful things. And at the same time, we had to figure out, well, we've only got X amount of, um, of budget to achieve this. So as we all look at this, and Kieran had indicated that the Brain Trust uh, did a lot of work in this regard, and we did an awful lot of work. Yeah. We yeah. would get together and say, all right, we can have three of those, whatever that element might be, um, or we can have one of these, that more complicated element. What's going to make the movie better? Which one do we choose? And all the way through then, we were trying to find the, 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 the most um, applicable technique, the most um, uh, um, beautiful uh, images, essentially, to make the best possible movie within the limitations that the studio had at the time. And that was very, very tough, very tough, actually. I think it was very stressful. And it, uh, and yet, again, th that, that was the, the benefit of having worked together with the directors and Don for such a long time. And Don and I go back all the way to Roger Rabbit, which seems like in the dark ages now. But um, it, when you know people so well, you have that trust. And that shorthand of conversation that everybody knows, you're not trying to hold the directors back. You're actually quite conversely trying to give them as much as you possibly can without it turning into a you know battle for resources with uh, upper management. So that that was actually the the my memory of the movie as much as a, as the the early days and the wonderful. Um, uh, you know, development, visual development we were able to do and the trips we had and not not to leave out, you know, Kieran's bunny costume, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, <laughs> it was um, it, it was a movie that had enough passion to match the challenge of what we were being um, we, we were being given. In my uh, situation as layout supervisor, excuse me, as a uh, designer, uh, in pre-production and working with the directors and the storyboard guys and 
and all the other leads, uh, the, basically the brain trust, uh, I would get in and start designing. So, you know, what does Atlantis look like? What does the uh, Whitmore's house look like? What does the submarine look like? So we would touch on a little bit of everything, but then it would split off where the submarine would go to Kieran and and we brought in so many people like Alex Nino and, and uh, gosh, uh, I'm trying to remember everybody, Ricardo Delgado. And, and Mike, Mike Mignola, who, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Mignola, who is yeah, a very famous yeah, Hellbook comic series. So the style from the initially was like, let's try to do like a comic book style with Mike Mignola influence, you know. Yeah. And so... I like the way Don and Kirk and Gary work because we all work together. By me being in development and doing some of the drawings, once we got into production, uh, I knew what the areas of the locales look like, at least for the most part. And then my crew would come on and it was easier for me to hand out the artwork, knowing the, the crew and what they could handle. Um, layout was an interesting uh, department because we would do pre-production into production and then I would handle some of the stuff afterwards but we would have to create the you know we were always creating the camera the look and working with the art director uh, Dave Getz and and background Lisa Keen um, trying to get the artwork out of it and and once we were in production it was kind of like playing in the sandbox and then graduating within the next year and and getting in <laughs> and doing the final artwork um we were lucky on this show in the sense that uh, on beauty and the beast we did that we in almost one year uh total production was probably a year and a half two years but layout took almost exactly one year to do which is unheard of in that studio um but on this show i was on atlantis for six years and that was quite a long time right right after huntsback you know it was interesting because after huntsback what happened was uh this is a little uh, juicy stuff uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg had left Disney and had gone started DreamWorks. So right when we were finishing Huntsback, Jeffrey was trying to recruit all of us to go work at DreamWorks, and they were calling us all the time. And so for the for Peter Snyder, who was our president, you know, uh, he, and and you know, so he wanted to make sure that the the team uh, were intact. So right from the beginning, so they approached us and said, like, you know. We want you guys to be all together in the same group, you know, and, you know, you guys will get to do a great movie, whatever Kirk and Gary is wanting to do. So, so Don, Kirk, Gary, they would come to us and talk to us and say, like, you know, look, guys, we're going to put together a team right after Huntsback. You're going to get a little break and we're going to go into a development for an amazing film. So yeah. we were enticed. Yeah, yeah, but you're on it. <laughs> yeah. So, so here we had uh, Jeffrey trying to, Lures into you know his Prince of Egypt like you know trying to uh, you know I, I think that at that time Jeffrey had started Amblin with uh, Steven Spielberg he hadn't built his uh, you know building it he was trying to lobby us to go there and then he, on in the side uh, you know Disney was trying to have us stay there and I think it was one of the best time because you know the demand was so high for a great artist uh, yeah. and uh, just what Chris was saying one of the interesting thing that I just came back is is uh, you know, you work all day and you're busy and then, you know, you go home like late at night 
And then one morning I come to work around eight o'clock and, you know, I see a bunch of carrots on my desk. And so they <laughs> made me wear a bunny suit and walk around eating carrots all day long, all over the department. <laughs> things that people would have to do to keep people entertained, you know? Well, what <laughs> was the bunny was suit my... for? Was it was it celebrating Easter or was it just something well, random? You know, it was my birthday and instead of like, you know, uh, coming and bring me birthday cake and seeing stuff, you know, they had they made fun out of me by making me wear a bunny suit and, you know, and they put like tons of carrots on my desk and all day, wherever I was supposed to go, I was supposed to, uh, you know, nibble on the carrots and walk around. <laughs> I made a fool out of myself. And it's funny <laughs> because now, like, people are, people find those, uh, people post those pictures on Facebook and I'm like, my God, this thing will never go away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I need to see a picture of this. <laughs> yeah. You didn't have to wear it for three weeks, though. I thought that was a little excessive. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what was it like to work on these specific characters in particular with the film in general? Because this is, you know, not usually a group of people you would see together. It's kind of like an outcast group. You know what I mean? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, how... how different everything was about this movie um there's a certain musicality obviously and a wonderful musicality to the different voices that that uh, we were we we were working with and it was always fun to see the the rushes or the dailies um just because you didn't know what you were going to get we weren't at the sessions with gary and kirk so we'd hear them in sweatbox for the first time and yeah, the performances were great and and just made you feel like there's something special here. If we can only make sure we have enough time and enough resources to get this done, we've got a, a, a great movie on our hands. Part of my uh, duties was to uh, direct the live action reference. And we did that over at uh, WDI on a soundstage. And um, part of that came out of some of the acting that we got out of the performers who came in to do the acting uh gary always would come in and uh and and he was obviously the director but i was i would shoot the uh, video and um some of the stuff came out of just being having the the people do their their acting uh it was one of the first pictures other than um i would say uh, uh pocahontas where we were doing realistic, uh, say realistic human characters, or had to, or at least appear to be realistic, and uh, so that was that was another challenge too for all the animators. So when the film is released, what what were your reactions to that? Were you guys at the blue carpet ceremony that they had at the El Capitan Theater to to see how yeah. people were, you know, reacting to the film? Yeah, it was pretty yeah. spectacular. It was it was uh, it was a great night. They all are when you do that kind of thing. But this was very different. And I remember I remember we had like we they gave us gifts of like glowing crystals. I wish I still yeah. had. Now I think got one of my kids took it and 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 it's no longer. But um but yeah it was it, it was a great event. And we all walked along Hollywood Boulevard. I seem to remember to yes. get there. Very nice event. Yeah, we. It was it was a lot of fun. I was just saying, I really wish Curran had had his bunny outfit with him at that point, you know, to yeah. uh, <laughs> put on and give you know. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Tierra, you brought a really great point because, you know, um, people think of Disney as a princess area. Like, you know, if, you know, when they look at movies like, oh, it's got to be a princess story. And and I think the, some of the films that we worked on, like Huntsback and Atlantis and even, you know, we didn't work on Treasure Planet. I think those were things that Disney was trying to do something different. And unfortunately, the the audience, uh, you know, they, they were like so much into wanting to watch again, another Little Mermaid or like, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast, more like princess love stories and all. And trying to deviate from that, uh, I didn't think, it didn't come out as, you know, good as what we would expect. But for people that worked on it, I think it gave us a really great experience. And I I can say that, like, for me, like, you know, my, uh, what I'm doing now, like, you know, I mean, after Disney, I went and started my own studio. And believe it or not, I'm working with Kirk Wise on it now. <laughs> So after 20 years, like, you know, Kirk, I'm making Kirk's movie, he's directing and I'm making that. And what's fascinating is like all the experiences that we learned on those things are like really helping us in our career, you know, and it, it really broadens our, our, our mind and, you know, our experiences. One other thing I'd like to bring up too is the fact that we had the idea in our heads, we knew what we wanted to make, and we were making an action-adventure movie. Um, action-adventure movies are longer than normal movies. And we had to, we, we were trying to explain to management as far as cost and, and uh, budget that you have scenes of just vistas. And when we first started, I know Chris and I, and, and I know Kieran was there too, uh, trying to explain to them that it's going to be a little bit longer. It's going to, we need those shots. And they said, no, 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 we got to have it in that same box. We have this to do it. And we had a lot of beautiful artwork. And uh, so it kept getting cut back. And towards the end of the the movie, when we were working on it, we, we ran it one of the last times for management and they were like, you know, we're missing those big shots. (laughs) We all kind of hit ourselves in the head and said, yeah, you're right. So we went back and pulled a lot of our artwork and put it back into the picture. To me, that meant that they understood that's what it needed. And uh, I was uh, appreciative of management seeing it and and understanding that. It was exceptional in that if you look how how long ago it was and and all of the, the CGI that it's beautiful in the movie, uh, it was a pretty elementary kind of CGI compared to today. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, uh, that's probably one of the reasons then when you look at Atlantis as being one of the last uh, 2D uh, movies in a general sense. As uh, it wasn't long after that, the Toy Story came out and the whole the game changed. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an adventurous movie in its in its. Uh, it's look and it was adventurous to do because um, we were breaking a lot of rules to get it done to be that way, to look like um, an animated comic. Well, well, since it's now 20 years, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's been 20 years almost. I really do appreciate you being able to take the time to answer some questions. There, It's just so fascinating to hear the history behind this film and it's so appreciated. So I know there are going to be a couple of fans 
maybe more than a couple. I, I think there's going to be plenty of fans who are going to be listening out to this interview. But right. is there anything you guys would like to say specifically to them? Uh, my son is a fan. I took him to the premiere with me. And, um, and, and, and knowing how much he loves it, how much it continues to have inspired him. And I think Atlantis did inspire a lot of movies kind of like that. If you think the way in which... We painted this other other world. It's uh, not unlike a certain, you know, James Cameron movie that came out a few years later. Um, but we were there first. And I think that um, whatever the fans can take from this to inspire their own path in artistry or writing or anything else, man, that would be, it would be wonderful to know more about that, how it's influenced lives and how it, uh, how, how much it just stays with them as a childhood memory. Yeah, I, um, I'm still working at Disney, um, and I have a friend who's in consumer products, and we hear, I hear from her all the time that people want more Atlantis. There's a whole fan base out there that is really excited about it, which is great. Um, and I'm also, I'm also kind of proud sometimes when I hear people complaining about it, to be honest, like, oh, it didn't get here. It didn't give me this, didn't give me that, because people want more. It's yeah. not that complaining that it was bad. It's just like, oh, God, I wanted to see more Atlantis or I wanted to see more of this. So it we we struck a nerve somewhere. And it's really great to hear. Uh, I was going to say that uh, for those audience that is uh, is going to listen to this uh, podcast and and bring back memories of Atlantis and all, you know, uh, I mean, I, I hope they also take the same uh, lesson that I got out of the movie, which is like, you got to take risks and, you know, and at the end of the day, you have to enjoy and love what you do. And, you know, you leave the rest to, to you know, whatever comes, you know, uh, if you love what you do and if you, you know, done the best you can, you know, you hope for the best and whatever happens, happens. I, I, yeah, I'd like to echo that. I mean, I think um, what we've talked about, and I haven't seen these guys in front of me here for quite a few years, but um, we still have that friendship from that time. And I think that friendship, that camaraderie, that uh, certain silliness and wearing bunny costumes and so forth, It, uh, it if you enjoy the movie you're on, and I certainly found this since, it will come out in some way. It will actually, it will, it will move the audience. And I, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I hope that there really is a true, you know, in-person reunion for you guys, because it just seemed this was such a unique experience. And to hear these stories, and I know that there are plenty more, um, probably more stories <laughs> about the shenanigans you guys were doing, but... Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I, I just I do hope that we get something within the next year or so but you know what I mean I, I'm just so glad that we could speak today so thank you all three of you for being on the show this was a lot of fun and wonderful way to pay tribute to a wonderful project that each of you played such an important role on thank you so much yeah thank you thank you, thank you for thank you for including on your talk show and uh, you know brought back a lot of great memories yes uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity appreciate it i'll be sending you some carrots before the end <laughs> before the end of the week <laughs> yeah uh, at the josie house we don't instead of celebrating easter we celebrate on my birthday which is coming soon you can start sending carrots <laughs>
want something sporty, you know, like a tuna.